This morning, we're going to dive into our ninth week of season two. We are rounded the corner and nearing the end of our second season, working through the entire New Testament. Uh, we will close off at the end of week 11 in Revelation. So we are, we are really, really approaching that fastly. Today, we're going to look at uh, deeper into the book of James. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We'll be starting at verse 7 this morning. Uh, before we dive in, though, let's just remember that last week we had already been in the book of James a little bit, asking the question and reminding ourselves that we can't have a faith is conversation without first having an honest faith in one. And didn't God move last week? Wow. I love what, what, uh, what Jen said. And Jen and, and our worship team, thank you so much for leading us in, in those beautiful moments this morning. But Christ is everything. Christ is everything. And if we're going to go deeper into our conversation of faith this morning, uh, specifically, we're going to ask the question, are patience, why are patience and prayer forever linked? If we're going to go deeper into this question today, we first need to remind ourselves of who it is that we serve. Church, we serve the King of Kings. We serve the Lord of Lords. We serve Emmanuel, God with us. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Jehovah Jireh, our ever-present help. Come on, this is the God that we serve, and he is present in this room today. We don't join together this morning out of habit. We don't join together this morning because you desperately wanted to see how long the beard had gotten. That's not why we're here today. We're here today because from the very moment that we collectively walk through those doors, God is present with us. His word tells us that where two or three are gathered in his name, that he is there also. And each and every week, his sense of, the sense of his presence is incredible. And so this morning, as we get into a conversation about patience, let us not forget how beautiful his presence is, because patience is hard, isn't it? Patience is hard. There is nothing worse than approaching your microwave and having to hit three minutes. Oh, three minutes, right? I don't know if your microwave has this, but the best microwaves in the entire world, they have that quick minute button, right? Because that's really as long as you want to be waiting for that food, right? You hit that quick minute button, you're like, okay, 60 seconds, I got this. But 180 seconds, whoo, right? You just take that deep breath, and you know where I'm going with this, right? Because if you're not using the microwave, then you're actually like cooking an entire meal. And uh, we've already released our junior highs. But if our junior highs were here today, they know what I'm talking about. Um, I have heard so many times, Mom, how much longer till food? Right? And you just feel it in that generation of like, they're so used to the food just appearing on the table. The fact that it's not there when they're ready for it can be so, so difficult. And our patience gets tested in so many ways, in so many different areas. Even as I'm mentioning the word patience, I'm sure your mind is quickly traveling to a point where you sat at a red light for just an, an unholy amount of time, right? Where you're looking at the red light and you're like, I know something's broken. And you're looking to the person beside you like, should we just go? Like, it might never change. 
But this is the world that we live in to where we have become so accustomed to getting what we want now that having to wait for any particular amount of time can actually become extremely frustrating. Maybe you've been in that situation before where you and your friend have been discussing something and and you're not quite sure of what the answer is and what do we do immediately? We Google that. Because you can't possibly not know what the answer is. It's right there. Or maybe you're in that situation where both of you forgot your phones and you have to sit in the unknown. Isn't that just a weird point in 2024? You're like, I don't know. I don't know either. Do you have your phone? No. Do you have your phone? No. So what do we do? We just don't know, right? But patience can be so difficult. It can be so hard. And in the culture that we live in, this is one area where our faith and our culture will constantly collide, church. Patience is one area where our faith and our culture will constantly collide because God meets us in our waiting. Oh, it's so good, but it's so hard, right? Like, like, isn't that the beauty of who God is? We mentioned this a few weeks ago, and at the youth retreat that I was on just uh, about a month ago, I mentioned this to the 120 students that were meeting in the room. I said, listen, there are times where you will pray to God and watch as others receive the answer to their prayer immediately. And you'll be sitting in that waiting moment wondering, does God truly love me? Church, can I encourage you today that as we journey through the book of James, as we journey through the idea of patience and prayer, can I encourage you that God is pursuing you every moment of every day? He's pursuing you through his word. He's pursuing you through his spirit. He's pursuing you through each other. There may be a word spoken today from someone else in the room that just speaks right to your heart. And I want to encourage you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as he calls to you once more. But as our God pursues us, may we also catch the beauty of that word pursue. Because our God also wants to be pursued. See, sometimes there's beauty in the waiting because God knows that in order to stretch you in your relationship, in order to grow your understanding of who he truly is, if he were to answer you in that moment for what it is that you were believing for, maybe you wouldn't talk to him for another week or a month or a year. There are times in our relationship with God where God sees our heart turn to him and he says, yes, keep coming, keep coming. Will you wait on me and on my answer? And so our question today, why are patience and prayer forever linked? Let's open this morning in James chapter 5, verses 7 to 11a. Be patient. (laughs) Okay, we get it. All right. Be patient, therefore, brothers, sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains? You also must be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. Let's pray. Lord, we welcome you into this discussion today. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Uh, for what it is that you are going to communicate to each and every heart. 
Lord, I love the gathering. I love what it is that you've created in this thing called church. God, that this morning each and every one of us will hear the same words, and yet your spirit will speak a different message. And so allow our hearts to be open today, God. Allow our ears to be willing to sit at your feet and hear the words that you speak. May our collective, Lord Jesus, understanding of what it is that you're doing through the Spirit, God, may it grow patience in this room today. God, I pray that we would fall in love with the waiting. God, I pray this morning, Lord, that we would fall in love with the waiting. That we would be willing this morning, God, to sit at your feet. That we'd be willing this morning to await the bride, to await the bridegroom, Lord Jesus. As you come. For Lord, we know that the day is approaching when the trumpets will sound and your son will return once again. And so we profess that this morning, God. We believe that. We proclaim that in the name of the Lord, that you are the soon coming king. And Lord, we wait. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. One of my favorite things about the Bible is also one of my least favorite things about the world. So the Bible constantly deals with this world called suffering. And I don't know about you, but when I look around at the world and the hurt that people have to experience, the hurt that people, that countries are going through on a regular basis, it constantly puts me in the position to say, God, where are you? I've mentioned this before, and I'll say it again. I, I'm, I'm waiting for God to just cut the ribbon, throw the doors open, and release us as a church to just go and tear down the walls of Chio. My prayer is, is that our world would never need a hospital like Chio. Because I look at the suffering of these young, innocent lives, and I say, God, why? Why is this taking place? But aren't you so thankful today that we can open God's word and find those who also suffered while being under the blessing of the creator? It's this amazing example of our faith, this amazing understanding that God does not shy away from the suffering. He doesn't enjoy it any more than we do. Come on. He doesn't shy away from it. Why? Because he knows and we are told that suffering is a part of our existence. Jesus actually told the disciples and those who would follow that they needed to be ready to endure persecution in his name. He told them, be ready and, and, and be expectant of suffering. That yes, following Jesus will bring you peace, but it doesn't make us immune from the effects that sin has had on this world. Come on, church. It doesn't make us immune from the effects that sin has had on this word. Amen? Come on, this is important for us to understand because we will not live a life that doesn't fully understand the gospel. We are not going to portray a gospel this morning or deliver a word that gives false, false hope. Coming to know Jesus will set you Oh, somebody say it louder than that. Come on. Coming to Jesus will set you free. Set you free. Your sins washed away under the blood of Christ. Never to be plucked up again. Come on, that's not how our God functions. If you're here today and you've been experiencing that, I, I told God in our worship set, we said we laid down crowns and we were making room. And so I told God in the middle of my, my message today that I'm just going to make room. So for those of you on graphics and following along in, in the script, good luck. Um, 
But if you're here today and you've been experiencing that challenge in your life, you've been experiencing just this nagging reminder of the things that you've walked through in your past, can I just relieve you of that this morning in Jesus' name? See, our God does not remind us of our past failures that we have already repented of through the blood of Christ. But the deceiver will. Oh, come on. And so this is important for us to remember that in those moments where we're reminded of those things, where we've already seen God's precious forgiveness at work, where we've already seen repentance at pray, where restoration has already taken place, church, you in that moment can stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, that has already been paid for. And what my God has paid for is finished. And you can actually speak against that attack each and every time because our God will not pull you back into the things that his son has already paid the price for. You're free. What our God will do is will continue to challenge you on the things that you haven't given up yet. Come on, that's the gospel. And so be free this morning to go further, right? Be free this morning to go further. There are other things in your life that are constantly trying to compete with God, and God is saying, be free in the name of my son. The book of James highlights how suffering and, 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 and patience can work in perfect sync, explaining to us that, yes, there are those who are found in the book, in the book of the word, in the book of the Lord, the book of the word of the Lord. <laughs> there are names in there that are there because of their steadfastness in their faith. We read about it last week in Hebrews chapter 11, how some of those actually were delivered prompt, but they never saw the fulfillment of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? To have a faith, I mean, we can't even imagine it because we're so blessed. We can't even imagine it because we're so blessed. Church, we know who Jesus is. And he's already paid the price. He was already risen again. He is seated at the right hand of the throne. He is our ever-present help. He is our high priest. But those in the book of Hebrews that we read about last week, they had faith at a time where they didn't even fully understand Jesus like we do. And yet their faith, and their steadfastness allowed their names to be found in a book that will echo into eternity. See, the core element of the main story in the Bible is not that everything is right in the world, but that God sees our afflictions and he knows our suffering. And Jesus is with us and one day will make all things new. The psalmist in, in Psalms 103 says this, For the heavens are high above the earth. So great is his loving kindness towards those who fear and worship him. The prophet Isaiah takes these words and puts a little spin on it. He says this, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Church, God is always with us. And he is always equally high above us. Hallelujah. God is always with us and he is always equally high above us. Although we are learning from him, we will never be God. Oh, okay. We're going to work on, there needs to be a bigger amen there. We're not, 
I'm just kidding. Church, we, although we are learning from him, we will never be God. When we see him face to face, we are going to experience so many incredible things. And I'll challenge you with this this morning because every time I read through the Bible, I hear this in my spirit. Church, we understand what happened on the cross, but we don't fully understand what happened on the cross. Church, we understand what happened on the cross, but we don't fully understand what happened on the cross. Why? Because God's ways are higher than our ways. We can understand of the sin that was paid for, the the price that was paid. We can understand the sacrifice that Jesus walked into. We can understand that he was risen again on the third day. And now as we call on the name of Jesus, that we can be set free. But I don't know that we'll ever fully understand the cross. What does it truly mean, not just in our understanding, but in reality, to see humanity be reconciled to the creator? What does that truly mean? What did it really look like when Jesus walked into Sheol and preached the gospel and took the keys from the enemy? That the power of hell would have no more power over those who call in the name of Jesus. Oh, death, where is your sting? What does that truly mean? As we wrestle through these incredible concepts, we will continue to learn and grow in our understanding, but God is still greater. When Genesis said that he separated the light from the darkness, what did that really look like? He knows. He was there. Just a little, because I feel like we should a little peek into the book of Revelation. John on the island of Patmos is given this dream and the entire book of Revelation is him trying to interpret this dream for us. Some of the most beautiful imagery that you'll find in the book of Revelation is about, the, is about heaven and the throne room of God. And theologians believe, as John tries to uh, describe the the throne itself, he describes all these different jewels, these, these opals and these rubies and these amazing things. But theologians believe that those are just the words that he could use to best describe what he was seeing. But the throne room of God is so much greater. Come on. This is the God that we serve. And so he is always with us, but he is equally always high above us. Hebrews chapter 11, 34 and 39 says this, that the women received their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they may rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about it in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in the dens and caves of the earth and all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Suffering is real. And it takes great faith to believe God for a miracle. But it equally takes greater faith to trust that God is good even when or if we don't receive what was promised. If you're here this morning and you're praying for God to work in a way that only he can work, and you haven't seen the fruition of that yet, can I encourage you this morning? Keep believing. Can I encourage you this morning to continue to press in? 
that there is nothing wrong with pursuing the creator with everything that you have. This morning, we're going to pray for healing in this room. But even before we enter into that space, if you do not receive healing in this place, go home tonight and pray again. Maybe God doesn't appear in your room tonight. Well, that's okay. You get Monday. And we can pray again. Because what if alone in your room or gathered together with your family, God showed up on a Wednesday night, no one else was around, and you felt the touch of God in your life? I think we can still give testimony about that. Amen? There is something beautiful about the pursuit church that we continue to run after God. But just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we spoke about it last week, just as they spoke in here in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 34 and 39, we see these great heroes of the faith that they are standing for God no matter what may come. Church, may we also obtain that level of faith to say, God, I know that you can. I know who you are. You are the great healer. And so, Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for restoration, whatever it is that you're believing for. But may we also stand, God, may we also say, God, you do not change in the midst of my circumstance. Though this body may fail, our God never will. Come on. Though some may not fully understand who he is, he will never stop reaching out. And though others may speak words that do not uplift, that do not encourage, that do not build up the image of God that you truly bear, our God is greater. And may his Holy Spirit speak clearer than those who are gathered around you. Our God is able. He is worthy. And may we push forward. We're going to read through a couple of verses this morning found in different areas of the Bible that speak to our God's faithfulness. Numbers 23, 19, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said or will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? 1 Samuel 15, 29, and also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret for he is not a man that he should have regret. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. So that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might also have strength, have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Our God never lies. He is trustworthy. In life, we won't always see what it is that we desire, but this life is not the entire story. The entire story is, an, is of an eternal reality. For, so for us this morning to be patient will often look like trusting God's heavenly timetable more than we trust our own. Church, church, can I encourage you this morning that if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your healing is guaranteed in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Can I encourage you this morning that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your healing is guaranteed in Jesus' name, whether in this life or the next. See, our God is faithful. 
We're going to have a testimony Sunday soon because, man, there are just too many good stories taking place in this room today, and we need to give glory to the one who has already moved. Church, there is a story this week, and it's not my story to share, not yet, but there is a story of cancer being just driven from a body today in this congregation. Come on. So I want to encourage you this morning that healing on behalf of our creator is guaranteed. And yes, it can happen today. It's still happening. God is still in the work of healing. But even though that cancer has been removed from one of our brothers or our sisters today, all of our bodies are still dying. Hello? So we give testimony for the miraculous work of God, but we sit in a hope, we sit in patience, we sit in the understanding that this life is not it. That that cure from cancer is only momentary, but there's more. There's a new body in store, come on. A body that will know no illness, a body that will know no shame, a body that will know no pain. Our God is going to heal and heal completely. And so while we testify of those who are cured from cancer, can I encourage you that the greater miracle is just knowing God as your Lord and Savior. There is no greater miracle than watching a loved one say, I believe in the name of Jesus. There is no greater miracle than watching someone in your neighborhood look to the cross and see it fully for the first time as the only redemptive instrument that this world has ever known. And so if you're here today and you've been praying for that same thing, for God to move in your life in a miraculous way, we are with you. But we also want to make sure that we don't make what it is that happens today everything. Right? Because there's so much more. His ways are not our ways. But there is full healing coming in the name of Jesus. This is the God that we serve. James 5.13 says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let them pray. Is anyone cheerful? Hmm. Let them sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven in Jesus' name. See, we believe in healing because God has called us to believe that he is the healer. And we move in prayer because we have been given such a gift. Such a gift. To be able this morning to run to God in prayer. James 5, 19 to 20 says this, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and, brings someone in, and, bring, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I think God values the relationship that he has with his people. Amen? Man. And so this morning, we not only want to pray for physical healing, but we also want to pray for spiritual restoration. That God would touch each and every mind and body in this place. But our deeper prayer is that every soul and every heart would call on the name of Jesus. 
There's sickness and there's suffering that we can see. But the reason that Jesus came and died on the cross was that there was a sickness and a suffering that isn't always visible in the physical. There was a break in the relationship between the creator and the created. But Jesus made a path for us to walk unashamed, stand before our creator and say, would you forgive me for those things that I have done? And to be able to hear God say, you are forgiven, you are free. One of the ways that we're able to do this, we're going to share this morning, is in the communion table. And so if you have your elements with you today and you want to take those out, we're going to share communion this morning. If you don't have uh, any of those, if you didn't receive those elements, if you just want to raise a hand, our guests and family services, they are looking. Thank you, Krista. I know we have a couple of them. So just raise your hand nice and nice and high. Keep it up there until you receive today. And actually, Pastor Sarah, I think mine are down right there on the floor by the chair. See them? Yeah. I knew exactly where they were because I'm the one who forgot them. Thank you. Church, how great is our God? Communion is something that we do once a month together as a community. It's something that was initiated by Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed. And again, we don't do this out of habit, just like we don't come to church on a Sunday out of habit. We do this because there is deep and powerful meaning and what will take place here this morning. This sacrament of communion reminds us of the great price that was paid in our stead. As we take communion together, we remember that each and every one of us should have had to have died for the sins that we have committed against the Creator because no, not one of us are worthy. But Jesus. But Jesus. See, Jesus came and he lived a perfect life, fully God, fully man. His relationship with the Father allows us to see what it truly looks like to make yourself less so that God can be more. And Jesus did it all the way to the cross where willingly he walked where each and every one of us should have had to have walked. And the man who knew no sin took on the sin of the world so that we could remember that as this world continues to cry out for its salvation, we can look to the cross and accept ours. Come on. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, that on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take eat in remembrance of me before we eat today. Let's pray. Let's pray over each and every one of our family members today that are suffering in their physical being. Maybe you're here today and there's mental strain that you've been walking through we see you. Maybe you're here today and, and simply physically getting to the church was an effort. We thank you. 
Maybe you're here today and your emotional scale has just been all over. But you're trying and you're praying and you're believing. God sees you. So church, let's pray this morning. And remember, the body that was broken for us, that because of what he did on the cross, we believe that there is healing in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. God, I pray over each and every person, whether online or in this room today. God, if they are believing for a physical miracle, God, we stand with them today in your name. Lord, I pray that your hand would reach down once again. God, that that testimony of cancer being removed uh, from one of our, our congregation members' body, God, may that just stir up faith this morning in this room. God, I pray, Lord, if there is someone here today that was at the, the edge of just giving up hope, God, I pray that hope would rise in this room. That, Lord God, it is not done because you are not finished. And so, Lord, I pray healing, Lord Jesus. I pray that cancer would die today in Jesus' name. God, I pray that any mental affliction would be taken away in Jesus' name. God, I pray that there would be peace and soundness over each and every one of our loved ones today. God, for those whose lives are just emotionally, Lord God, it's just a roller coaster upside down all, all over the place. Lord, I pray that they would place their feet on your solid ground, that they would remind themselves just as we are challenged in worship, not to allow the news and all of these things to overcome our understanding that you are still in control. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And so this morning, God, we remember together that your son's body was broken for us. Because of his sacrifice, God, we have a new body awaiting us one day. So Lord, come quickly. We're waiting. In Jesus' name, amen.